everybody's awake now. So Esther chapter 2 is where we're going to be camped out. And we're going to be camped out here for the rest of the month. Not in chapter 2, but in the book of Esther. And I am starting a new series entitled Thankful. And this morning's sermon is entitled Thankful for Preparation. And how many know that in our, in our lives, preparation is something that, I don't know about you, but for me, I don't like preparation. I, when I'm ready to go, I want to go now. And when God says, renovate the basement, I'm like, I don't want to wait the two months we had to, I had to wait. I want to go now. Like, give me the money. I want to go now. Let's do it. But I never usually got very great results for me. Anybody else? Because if it was me and I did everything that we did down there, there would still be holes in the wall. You'd be able to see all the nails. I'd have only put like one tape, of, one, one deal of mud on the wall. It would have just been bad. But in our lives, God tends to bring us through preparation seasons, right? All the time. And one thing I was noticing in reading about this, reading in, uh, in uh, Esther's life, is that she went from preparation to preparation to preparation. It was like each, each time she got the promotion, there was still another area of preparation. Each time she got... And I'll get in there. I'm not going to preach my sermon before I preach my sermon. But so Esther chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, and it says this. It says, When the king's command and edict became public knowledge, many young women gathered at the fortress of Susa under Haggai's care. Esther was also taken to the place and placed under the care of Haggai, who was in charge of the women. The young women pleased him, or excuse me, the young woman, the young woman here is Esther. The young woman pleased him and gained his favor so that he accelerated the process of the beauty treatments and the special diet that she received. He assigned seven hand-picked female servants for her from the place and transferred her and the servants to the harem's best quarters. So let's pray. God, we just come before you right now, and I ask, God, that you would move me out of the way. God, I just ask that your word would come forth this morning, God, that you would speak to your people this morning, God, and that it wouldn't be anything of me but God, that it would be all of you. And I pray that I prepared well for this this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So, in the preparation phase, there was a lot of stuff going on. And we're going we're gonna to get the short, we're, I'm going to give you the short, sweet version. Because most everybody here probably knows the story of Esther, right? It is, it is a very popular story that we've, we've heard in church a lot. But in case there's anybody that, that does it, what had happened was, the king had held a banquet for six months. King Ahasuerus, or in some translations it says King Xerxes, held a party for six months. 180 days. That cat knows how to throw a party, you know what I'm saying? When he says, we're going to celebrate, they're going to celebrate. And then at the end of that six months of celebration, he held another party. Like, he liked it. He liked to party. He liked to have fun. And at the end of it, 
And in the middle of the second celebration, he calls for his queen, Queen Vashti. And she says, and she already, she was holding her own banquet, and she said, uh-uh, cat, I ain't coming to you. No, we ain't, no, we ain't having this. I ain't playing this. That's, that, this is the so-called paraphrase version, so, okay. So she said, no, I'm not coming, and, and, and the king got mad. He got angry and talked to his advisors and says, well, now what do I do? And his advisor said, now this is the Bible, okay? Baron, this is what the Bible says. But his advisors came to him and said, well, if your wife does that, then all of our wives are going to start doing that too, so you got to do something here, guy. That's what, that's what it says in the Bible. He said, you got to deal, well, you're going to have to deal with your wife. Nah. And so he kicks her out and dethrones her and does all this fun stuff. And then a while later it comes back and they say, well, I should probably have a queen, huh? I should probably have a queen. And, he goes, and so they go, and all his advisors go, yeah, that's probably a pretty good idea. And so they say, well, here's, a gr- here's what we're going to do. We're going to go find the most beautiful women in all the land. And we're going to bring them up. Now, what guy, okay, what guy is going to say no to this? Okay? They said, oh, we're going to get the most beautiful women in all of the lands. And he says he has 170 provinces. So we're going to go through all of these 170, and we're going to find the most beautiful women, and we're going to bring them up. And we're going to prepare them. And that's how Esther, and Esther went, and she was one of the most beautiful people in the city of Susa. So she already lived right there next to the king. And so she's there. And the king's command, he said, when the king's commander edict became public knowledge, they brought all of the young women together. Now, imagine being... One of these women that were hand-chosen. Now, in our day and culture, we go, and I absolutely not. This is, but we have to understand time and place. Okay? Culture, we call it in, in, in the study of Scripture, we call it cultural peculiarity. It's, it's, it's different, it's odd, it's weird. We're not going to do it today. But there are some, there's three points I want to draw out of this Scripture and this story that I think is going to help us today. And the first point that I have, preparation is painful. Preparation, if you're like me, and you want to go, 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 and you just want to like just start doing things, when I paint, I don't tape. The taping's the last thing I do, because I don't do trim work. I hate it. Painting's the last thing I do. So I get the roller, and I come in here, and I start going, you see where all the paint is on the windows? That's because I painted this room, okay? Just saying. Now, if you hadn't noticed that, please forget that statement. Don't ever remember it again. But that's how I prepare to paint, because I hate painting. My wife, on the other hand, who is, loves to paint and could probably be a professional painter, she comes in and she's meticulously doing all of the prep work that I despise. But in our lives, God likes to come in and do all the prep work before we get to step into what he's talking. So what he does is he comes in and says, okay, I'm going to call you to this region. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to ask you to be a worship leader. Or I'm going to ask you to go to college and get a business degree, and you don't know why you're going to college to get the business degree. Or I'm going to go to school, or I'm going to, whatever, it doesn't matter what. And we say, okay, 
But how many know that if you didn't go to school to study to be a school teacher, it would be very difficult to be a school teacher if you didn't go to school to study to be a school teacher, if you just went and did it without the preparation? Or Dave, if without the preparation of going to school and saying, you would have had my problems laying that floor. Because it took me eight hours to lay that small section of floor you saw down there. Yes. Why? Because I did it, and then I didn't, because I watched a small video. Same thing. And I said, okay, this is easy. This is not a problem. I'm going to do this. And then I put it in, and then I had to remove three rows because it wasn't clicked together, and I couldn't get it. And then I put this other three rows back on, and then I had to remove two rows because it was a process. But had I given myself to the proper education and to the proper preparation, it would have gone much smoother for me. And in so much in our lives, it is like that. So what was the preparation that Esther had to go through? Prepara she had to go through the scrubbing off of her calluses. Because remember that most of these girls, they're not all, dare I say, all of them were not pampered girls. He said, go throughout all the region and bring all of them. Bring the beautiful women to me. So there was farmers. There were people that had, women that had carried heavy loads their entire lives. They had rough spots. They had calluses. They had imperfections in their skin. They had things that the world would look at and say, that's ugly. And in our lives, we have those things. It's called our past. We have those places in our lives where the enemy has rubbed us. And, and we've, we've allowed that spot in our heart to become callous and hard because people have hurt us. And people have said, people have talked bad about us. And people have said any number of things. And life has rubbed us hard. And life has gotten difficult. And we said, we don't know how we're going to pay the bills, but we're going to do, but, and we let that spot rub us and it becomes a callus. But you see, when God brings us into preparation, there are many times, not many times, every time, he is going to rub these calluses off. We call this doctrine, we call it sanctification. It's where I, it's where I, I am sanctified, I am holy right before God as I accept him as my savior. But then I've got to walk the path of him saying, okay, cigarettes has got to go. Heroin has got to go. Alcohol has got to go. Gambling has got to go. Cursing has got to go. And, and, he, and he puts in, and then it says in the scripture that, that they put oil on them. They, they, they cleanse them. And then they put oil on their skin to make their skin supple. And so as he's saying, okay, I'm going to take off all of this. We're going we're gonna, to... You see that place right there? That place on you that it's calloused because somebody hurt you? You see that place? That's the place I'm going to go after. And I'm going to scrub it. And I'm going to clean it. And I'm going to prepare you for the next phase of your life. I'm going to prepare you, but I've got to get you into a position that you are going to please the king. Okay? Now, we all know type and, type and shadow. This is a type and shadow of us. Jesus, King, King Xerxes or Ahasuerus is type and shadow of God. I'm not saying he is God. I'm not saying any of that. But that's how we interpret this principle. Okay? Makes sense. I hope. But see, preparation is painful because they lived in a desert region. 
Has anybody gone to the beach? I lived in Iraq for a year, okay? <sighs> Sand gets And you don't know when the nice big sandstorm is going to come through and you're breathing in all these dust particles. It's just fantastic. But sand rubs you and it gets everywhere. It gets in between your toes. You go to the shower. You wear flip-flops to the shower. You go in, you're nice and clean, you step outside, and then you've got that grit right between your toes again. And it's like, it drives, it drives me nuts. Okay. But how many of those little things do we have in our lives that are just like that? And we say, we, we get in and we, we come to church and we get into, we get under the anointing of God and we, we, we come in and we get all of our, our life washed clean and then we walk back out and we say, yeah, but I don't know about that preacher. He, he's a little young for me. He preaches a little too loud for me. He's like, I don't know. Just let all the little things rub us the wrong way. We let all the little things rub us the wrong way. Point number two. Preparation is time-consuming. You know, but in the long run, preparation saves you time. But preparation is time-consuming. I know when I, went, if I, when I went to paint in here, if I would have just taped the windows... It would have saved me hours of going back and scraping those windows back there. Those windows into the nursery because I didn't let you guys see it. But they were like halfway covered like all the way around. It was like it was and so then I had to go get a razor blade and stand on a ladder and scrape it all off. Had I prepared, had I prepared, wouldn't have been nearly as painful and it would have taken me, taken me, would have taken me a lot longer. But in Esther chapter 2, Verse 12, it says this. It says, During the year before each young woman's turn to go to, the king, to, go to King Ahasuerus, the harem regulation required her to receive beauty treatments with oil of myrrh for six months and then with perfumes and cosmetics for another six months. Whoo! That's a year of preparation. Preparation is time-consuming because, you see, it takes time for God to work on all the little things in our lives. And it is painful, but it takes time. And we've got to be willing to put ourselves through the process. Because I did some figuring before I came here. And I think I misquoted earlier. It was 120 provinces, not 170. Let me fix that. So it's 120 provinces. Okay? If they would have brought... Ten, ten women from each province. That's 1,200 women. Has anybody ever felt like you got lost in the shuffle with God? Said, God, there's a lot of people around here, and I feel like you don't even... I'm here, where are you? I've been there. I've been there where I looked at God and I said... You see what's going on down here. And he says, yeah, I see it. But why are you looking at it? But with 1,200, actually 1,240 women, that's just with 10 from each province. Okay? And they all took a year of preparation. 
They all took a year of preparation before they went to the king. Do you imagine that Esther could have been, felt like she was lost? Lost in the shuffle? Looking at all her surroundings, looking at everybody else around her and going, I'm not as pretty as her. I'm not as pretty as her. I might be prettier than her. Have we ever been there where we say, we look at everybody else around us, and so we give up on the process. We quit. Or, 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 or we, we back off and we say, okay, I don't, need to, I don't need to prepare as hard for that. I don't need to study that hard. Or do we say, you know what? I'm going to give it my best effort. God has called me to preach. God has called me to teach a Sunday school class. God has called me to run a soundboard. God has called me to lead a drug addiction ministry. God has called me to teach children. God has called me to go to, jo- go to my job and witness. But everybody throughout Scripture had to go through a process, a time-consuming process. The Apostle Paul had to go through three years of instruction, had to go through three years of just seeking after God and, and, and learning about this whole Jesus thing. He had to go through three years before he was allowed to go to the Gentiles. He had to go through time-consuming preparation. Preparation is time-consuming. You see, they took at least a year before she would ever see the king. At least. At least a year. And it could have been more and more. It could have been longer. But the question is, is will you commit to the process of preparation? Or do we lose, or, or, or do we say, it's not happening in my timing? Because that happens... That's happened to me. It doesn't happen in my time. I want it to happen now, as we all know, because I, despise, I don't like the preparation. I don't like the painting. I don't. But if we take the time to prepare, and we take the time to allow God to wash our sins and anoint us with the oil of His presence, so that when we go out and we hear that subtle whisper of, I want you to pray for them. Then something gets to happen. Because we've allowed the proper preparation time. And we've learned to hear the voice of the king. It took at least a year to get ready. To me, that's just it's a long time. A lot can happen in a year. Feelings can be hurt in a year. But you see... One of the most beautiful things I've seen about this picture is that the chief eunuch, the chief servant of the king, Esther found favor in his sight. Esther found favor in the sight of the person over her. And so she was blessed with handmaidens and people to carry her through. How many know that we've got people in our lives that are in your life to help you carry to help carry you through? Because it's not about it's not it's not about me. It's not about I can make it through cuz I'm tough. Yeah, you might be able to, but God has strategically placed people in your life if you will allow them that will 
that he's given to minister to your needs, that he's given so that you can go before the king, so that they can lift you up. Just like, just like Joshua and Caleb and Moses, they lifted his hands in the Old Testament. They lifted his hands so that the battle could go on, because as long as he had his hands raised worshiping God, the battle would go in favor of the Israelites. God has given us all people to hold us up if we will let them. And stop being so stubborn and saying, I can do it on my own. No, you can't. Only God can give it. Only God can take you to where he wants you to be. Only God. But he has placed people in your life to look at you and say, listen, listen. I know you're struggling right now, but I got you. You ever need anything, call me, because you know you can. God has placed those people. Now, the real question is, are you going to be that kind of person as well? That says, that says, listen, I've been there. I know you're struggling with addiction. I've been addicted to heroin. So you call me when you want to put that needle in your arm so bad. You call me, and I'll pray you through. You call me. When you need something, and I will pull you through, and I will pray you through. I might not be able to bless you financially. I might not be able to understand where you're coming from, but I can pray. And I can come and hold your hand in the hospital bed and say, listen, I don't have the answer, but I know the God who does. I can't heal your cancer, but I know the God who can. And just be there for somebody. Will you be there? When the lost needs you, when the lost need Jesus, will you be his hands and feet? But the preparation is time-consuming. But it's always worth it. But the preparation always brings blessing. We don't always understand why we go through what we go through. But the preparation brings blessing. In Esther 2, verse, verse 17, it says this. And it says, And the king loved Esther more than any of the other young women. He was so delighted with her that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashti. Now, if we could understand that that is a picture of you and me. This is, if we could understand that. Gentlemen, I'm sorry, we're brides. Like, it's weird, I get it, we're brides. It says, and the king, if we read it like this, brings so much clarity to what Jesus paid for on the cross. And the king, Jesus, loved me more than anyone else. And he was so delighted with me that he set the royal crown on my head and declared me royalty. Because that's what Jesus bought with his blood. Not for us to stay living in sin. But for us to walk through the preparation to say, 
your royalty. And only with God can he love me just as much as he loves Mary. God doesn't have to play favorites because he can love everybody exactly the same. As parents and grandparents, we know that we have our favorites, usually the ones that cause us the least amount of trouble, the ones we have to yell at and the least, right? But God doesn't play favorites. God loves the rascal, ruddy, shepherd out in the field as much as he loves the king and the palace. He loves us all the same, but the preparation always brings blessing. Our preparation time is always so that God can increase us. It's always so that God can move us forward in his kingdom for his glory. Because that's what we're here for. We're here to, until the kingdoms of our God become the kingdoms of his, of the, to the kingdoms of this earth become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. That's why we're here. We're not here to sit in a church pew for one day a week. We're not here to, for some of you, we're not here to sit in a church pew three nights a week. And I'm not saying, oh, I say, we love that faithfulness. But at the same time, we've got to go and reach. Because out there is who we are to bless. It's not all about just coming. I love, don't, do not misquote me. Do not mishear me. Come to church. You need to be in church. But when you come to church, you should be getting so full of God and so full of his revelation of who you are that you go out there. And the beautiful thing about this is you don't even have to bring him to church to get him saved. God's so big, he can save outside of the church building. We don't have to bring him to church to get him saved. Now, if you can get him to church, absolutely. We'll preach to him and we'll try to get him saved. But there should be such... Because of the preparation that God is doing in our lives, there should be such fire and there should be such anointing on our lives that we ain't got to bring them to the church building. We can say, say, what's different about you? In Acts, it says, Paul talks about, or sorry, the narrator, the person writing Acts, is telling a story about Paul. And the city officials say, we have got to do something because the people who are turning the world upside down have come here. We've got to do something. Because these people, these crazy Christians that are walking in and, and casting demons out of people and are healing people, they've come here. What if we could get the revelation to say, what if we could get Messina to say, that crazy little Pentecostal church on the corner by the hospital. Maybe we could start the revolution. And they could say of us, that crazy little Pentecostal church, if you want to get set free from drug addiction, you go there. If you want to get set free, you come here. And then we say, we go out. And then we get, and we get crazy about it and we say, okay, you see that person in the wheelchair over there? They ain't going to stay in the wheelchair. Can I pray for you? And we 
Rise him up out of the wheelchair. That's what I believe God would have us do. Because you see, it's not about, it's not about us being a mega church. Trust me. Yes, I want more people to come to this church. I absolutely do. But it's not about us being a mega church. It's not about us having the most numbers. It's not about us having anything but him. And if we learn to put Christ in the center and we stop staring at everything else, we stop staring at the periphery stuff, the peripheral stuff that always distracts us, because that's the stuff that distracts us, we can stay focused in our preparation, even though it is time-consuming, but it will always bring a blessing. With that, I'm done. I'm done. Man, and yes, everybody said amen. Hallelujah, the preacher's done. <sighs> Let's pray. If you feel this morning like you have given up in your preparation process, and you've said, I'm not, I'm not as on fire as I was when I started. I'm not as close as I was when I started. Then this altar is for you this morning. I believe right now there is a grace to say, I'm going to get, you can get your fire back this morning. You can get the closeness back this morning. And you can say, it doesn't matter when anybody else says, I'm not going to give up. I'm not where I'm going to be. I'm not at the end of my process. I'm not at the end of where I need to be. But God's going to get me there. And I'm just going to rely on him in faith. If that's you, I just ask, come down this morning. Come to the altar. Come, let us pray for you. If you have never... If you don't know who I, even what I'm talking about and you say, okay, I don't even know who this Jesus is, then I ask that you, and you want to know who this Jesus is, just come forward and let us pray for you. And if you have any need in your life, anything, and you just say, Pastor, I just would like for you to pray for me. And the altars are open.